So for the first location was here in Goodyear. And that was because I live in Goodyear, right? So the whole goal was to cut down commute. So I had a five minute drive to work. And then some of it's just kind of luck where I wanted to originally go at the time, the building wasn't there. They kept saying that the building was coming, it was coming, it was coming. And, you know, I was moving along. I was ready to get moving and, you know, open up the, the practice. And so I found a different location, which is pretty much the same place we are now on Indian School. And we just started going from there. And that one turned out to be really good. We're right outside of Pebble Creek. And so we have a, a really good relationship with the residents there. We're right outside the gate. They could drive their golf cart over. You know, there was really nothing else around. And then we opened Kids Place and Kids Place is just special. So there's not a lot of those around, like you said. So those are fairly easy to build once you get it set up. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Welcome to this week's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, where my guest is Ryan Roberts, who's the owner and physical therapist of Arizona Orthopedic Physical Therapy, which has a total of eight sites. And he takes us on a journey from the start of his career to beginning in private practice and then becoming a physician owner of the real estate that he operates his sites out of. Welcome to Ryan, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Ryan, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Just so our listeners know, you are a private practice physician. You are a physical therapist, and I would say you're a physician owner of your real estate. So do you own all of your locations? Five of the seven. And the name of your practice is Arizona Orthopedic Physical Therapy. So you have seven locations. But how did you start your physical therapy career? So real quick on the locations, I have five orthopedic locations oh. and two to about the three be three. So we had eight pediatric, but oh, I started great. my, my physical therapy career. Is that what you want? Or how yeah. did I get into it? Yeah. How'd you start your physical therapy career? It's, it's a long story. Basically growing up, my parents owned a printing shop. So I wanted to eventually take over that. So I think I always wanted to be a business owner and I kind of went into business management and accounting right out of high school because it sounded good. And then my parents told me that they would never sell me there business because it doesn't make enough money. So I had to go find something that I could make a living at. At the time, my brother did sports. He was like a three-sport letterman, I think, from freshman through senior in high school. He's five years behind me because of all the injuries that I had and the stuff that I had gone through. I used to rehab him. My mom had back surgery. I went to physical therapy with her. So I just kind of got intrigued by that. And then just when I decided that the accounting, sitting in an office all day, like eight to five or whatever, just typing away on a computer and doing numbers all the time was not something I was going to be wanting to do long-term. So we said, I started, now my mom, we started talking about different things that I could do, things I liked. And so I started looking at physical therapy. I like physical therapy because you're hands-on. There's so many different things that you can do within it, you know, depending on if you wanted to be in pediatrics, if you wanted to be in orthopedics, if you wanted to be inside the hospital, if you wanted to do research, if you wanted to 
go to Washington, D.C. and, you know, fight for, you know, physical therapist rights or, you know, uh, what we can do. There's so many things that you could never get burned out. You could pretty much find something to do all the time with that degree. And so started down that schooling road. I see a lot of athletes. So I, I was just watching the softball world series and a lot of the seniors were going into physical therapy after they graduated. I thought that was interesting that a lot of athletes continue along that path. Cause they, yeah, they usually end up in there. Right. So then they decided they can do the same thing. So I didn't have any of the, you know, a lot of, a lot of, when I do interviews, a lot of the applicants, you know, they'll say, you know, I had an ACL, I had a shoulder tear, you know, I had a uh, elbow, all this stuff. I didn't have really any major things when I went through just aches and strains and pains, but a lot of people go through a lot of physical therapy and then decided they can do that. <laughs> they try. Yes. Most physical therapists are fairly active. They participate in a lot of sporting type events. So. so then how did you decide to go into private practice? I went to Finch University, Chicago Medical School, came in right out in 2002, started work there with Illinois Bone and Joint. After the three years, we moved out here. So in 2005, right after my son was born, first kid. And I went to work for Concentra and I really liked doing that. They helped me get out here. And then I was at the airport facility, driving downtown all the time, sitting in traffic all the time. And that was the bane of my existence. I hate, I really dislike commuting. (laughs) And so I had to figure out something else to do. So I had to either find another job closer to home or my wife said, stop complaining. So started looking into it and I said, you know, if I'm going to, change then and you know the west valley is booming it's been growing it's been growing since i think i got here came in the and you know right at the time of the almost the peak of the housing boom in 05 06 before it crashed so everything was continuing to grow at the time so I figured if there was a time to do it that was the time and so i just restarted looking into it i remember we were in illinois visiting friends on cinco de mayo of 06 and that's when we made the decision that we were going to do it and then we opened the doors in February of 07. So we moved fast. And what are, what are all of the modalities that you offer? Like what is the, your full, full scope of services? Oh, that's, that's a lot of stuff. We, we try to get our hands on every patient. So it's definitely a lot of manual and then doing a lot of functional activity. And then besides that, you know, the, we try to stay on the edge of what seems to be kind of popular, but at the same time useful. So there are a lot of tools that are out there that we don't use, but things like you'd be our hands. We do like dry needling, we'll do cupping, blood flow restriction. I just got a Norman Tech compression system that we're going to be testing out and trying that. But for modalities, that's about it. We don't use a lot of electrical stem. Ultrasound is really old. Nobody really does that anymore. So we have all that stuff, but it just kind of sits there in the corner. What are some of the newer stuff coming out that you see? I mean, there's always trying to get back to like radio frequency. That's been a new one. We have one of those units to try out on loan. And it's just another another tool. I only have one therapist that actually uses it, but she doesn't use it as much. So that, that probably won't go. But things kind of come in cycles. You know, you're back to like the infrared. You see some of that, which used to be diathermy. Now that's <laughs> nobody uses that anymore, but that's kind of making a comeback. I think a lot of it is just mainly dry needlings and cuppings and scraping and all that kind of things. So what most people are using. Well, tell me about kids place. Cause I find that interesting. You don't see a lot of physical therapy for kids unless it's like occupational therapy for kids that, that need it. 
but tell me about Kids Place. I'll give it my best. I mainly oversee the orthopedics. My wife is also a physical therapist. She, we graduated together. I drug her into the business. That was great because she's very good at it. But she pretty much, she's a pediatric specialist. So she pretty much runs the, the pediatric division. I think that's what she's doing right now. She had a meeting, uh, an interview this morning. And now I think she's meeting with marketing to start going over how the website's going to lay out for the kids' place. But in general, we have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and feeding therapy. And so they see, we don't, on that side, you don't see, you know, a lot of like injuries. So injuries would normally come over to ortho unless they're really, really young. But over there, they're going to see torticola, several palsy, kids that were born early, so prematures. So they, they're delayed. See a lot of autism, all that, different levels on the spectrums throughout, depending on what they need. Let me ask you this, with those, those needs that those children have, the, you know, getting their body to move and learning how to, you know, move their body. Do you, I mean, I would think that that's incredibly helpful. It is. And it's extremely hard and very specialized. And I don't do that. And when I walk through, I'm always amazed at, you know, how they get the kids to do it. It's, it's play, but focused play. So it has a, you know, a goal at the end. So they, they try to use, we use a lot of games, toys. The pediatric facility has swings, balance beams, stairs. I mean, it's a, it's, they're really cool places to go. There's a lot of things to do in there. When my kids were younger, they loved to go, always go to work on the weekends because there were so many things to climb on and play. But yeah, and it's very specialized. So, and then, you know, the equipment that they use can be very expensive as well. And I'm sure the space matters too when you're, when you're trying to figure out, you know, how to fit all of that in and, and make space for the kids to be able to move around. Yes. So how do you, when you thought about your growth, how did you go about deciding where you were going to put certain sites? So for the first location was here in Goodyear. And that was because I live in Goodyear, right? So the whole goal was to cut down commute. So I had a five minute drive to work. And then some of it is just kind of luck where I wanted to originally go at the time. The building wasn't there. They kept saying that the building was coming. It was coming. It was coming. And, you know, I was moving along. I was ready to get moving and, you know, open up the, the practice and, so I found a different location, which is pretty much the same place we are now on Indian School. And we just started going from there. And that one turned out to be really good. We're right outside of Pebble Creek. And so we have a, a really good relationship with the residents there. We're right outside the gate. They could drive their golf cart over. You know, there was really nothing else around. And then we opened Kids Place and Kids Place is just special. So there's not a lot of those around, like you said. So those are fairly easy to build once you get it set up. Right. And then like Buckeye, you know, just looking at Buckeye, I always say I do a lot of things by feel. You know, I look at Buckeye and Buckeye is just growing. There's really no services there. So that seemed to be a no brainer. And so we went there. And then when we were looking to add in, I tried to list out my dates here. So I try to get things semi straight in my head. because I know Buckeye was our second ortho. And then we ended up doing another kid's place. Again, a lot of things that we do are kind of by feel, but also by opportunity. So we had the opportunity to take in, open a new space in central Phoenix. And so we did that. And then eventually we ended up buying something and moving that. And then I was, we were driving down Glendale one day and there was the facility going in there. And I think that's when I met you. Yeah. And so we, we went there. Again, and I, I was listening to a couple of the other, you know, other podcasts and I heard other docs say, you always want to be where the people are or where the people are going. So, you know, in Buckeye, we're right outside of Sundance and Goodyear, we're right outside of Pebble Creek. 
the, the goal there in Glendale, hopefully, is that, you know, it was going to grow and be a more of a medical center where people are coming there for the doctor and all the other stuff. And as they do that, they're going to see you. And it's something that they're used to doing. I think it's Dignity Health. There's a hospital right behind there, just on the other side of the freeway from Cardinal Stadium and yeah. I'm all over there. So, and then the kids' places that you, you just put those because people will find you. Yeah. yeah. They'll drive for sure. So, when you're looking at growth, do you, it looks like you prefer to own, you have a couple of lease properties, but why did you start wanting to invest? in properties where you have your practice instead of just leasing them? Well, again, you know, if you're the nice thing about renting is you don't have to, you know, you're not responsible for everything within the building, but you, you know, you pay a 2% increase every year. You're constantly having to fight that. It just made more sense to reinvest in ourselves. Basically we're going to pay rent somewhere. So we might as well own with that, what we're paying rent to. So we try to basically only own things that we occupy. That's kind of where we are right now. I do have the opportunity right now to buy another building that is, you know, mostly full and it's in the same complex where I already own. So we, we're talking about that all the time. Like, should we do that or should we look at, you know, going elsewhere in the valley where we can buy something and then be in it? In Buckeye, the same thing. You know, we, there we end up building this 7,000 square foot, you know, brand new facility there that just opened last August. and. At the time, we were saying we only need 4,000 square feet. So we could rent out the other three. And I was like, I really don't want to be a landlord, right? I don't want to have to do the, the tenant improvements. I don't want to have to be, you know, getting called because something's not working there. I get called enough from our clinics when things go down in our own stuff. So we just ended up, you know, putting a pool in there. And so now we have aquatic therapy. So we just expanded our offerings there. Nice. And when you're thinking about this, at the end of the day, does it lower your overall cost of occupancy as well as build equity? Yes. The rent right now that as, as we get going, it, you know, it'll go up depending upon, you know, tax breaks and how you want to look at all that stuff. But what I charge in Buckeye for ourselves through the two, two different companies is much less than I could probably rent a 7,000 square foot facility for. So I always look at it as, you know, if, if, I, if I own these for 35 years, and, you know, if I spend a million dollars to get into it and then I pay us rent and it comes all back, all that other stuff. At the end of 35 years, if I sell that building for a million dollars, I was basically there for rent free for 35 years. Right. So I paid myself back probably several hundreds of thousands of dollars that would have been out and just rent. Right. I think you could probably sell it for more than a million. I probably could, <laughs> but you never know. I'm just saying like right, on, yeah. on, on a worst case scenario, yeah, right, if I, I can just get out what I put in, then I was... Rent free. And so that's, that's a huge, you know, income as of itself. So if, if one of your peer clinicians were to say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about purchasing a building that I'm going to, you know, operate my practice out of, what would you say? Or some things. If it was one of my clinicians? No, just a peer, like a friend of yours. (laughs) Okay. No, not one, someone that works for you. You'd be like, why are you doing that? But a peer, you know, of a colleague out there that was like, Hey, I see, I see you own a, you know, several locations, how did you start doing this? And, and what are some things to think about? Well, I think if they were in business and they would probably understand it, but it's, so I, I can kind of play this because when I say, you know, would it be one of my, my employees or, or colleagues, that's how I end up having Tempe and Prescott actually, is that they had two employees that were going to these areas. They liked working for us and didn't really want to go anywhere else. And so we ended up opening clinics in both of those. And that's why we're leasing right now. As we try to build it up, we'll eventually buy. 
And then one of them it also does martial arts. And so he's contacting me about, you know, he wants to own. And so how, how does he go about it? And so I think the big one and that is people need to understand, right, when they're doing it is that they're, you need, you need cash, right? You don't, you can't just walk in and go like, Hey, I want to buy that building. And, you know, here's, you know, I have like $22,000. That's, right. that's not going to do it. Right. You're going to need, you need, you need to have cash. You need to build that up so that you can do your closing costs, your down payments, your build outs and all that other stuff. So knowing that you have to have that, that's big. So that you, you can kind of save for those things. Cause that was a hard part for us. When we first started, we were small trying to buy our first building trying to get, you know, financing and, and all that other stuff. So but after that, I think it's just, it's totally worth it. And then, you know, it's making sure that you're, you're planning for the problems that are going to come. You know, the buildings that, that I own, they are getting up there in age, like AC units on them are like, you know, 16 years old. So, you know, I've, I've just put on eight units on three different buildings over the past, I think, four weeks. So, you know, just knowing that you're going to have that stuff coming and, you know, if you want AC, you, you might want to start putting money away for that stuff. But I, I would say just cash flow, knowing yeah. that there, there's a lot of expenses that go into it. And so you, you need to be ready for them when they come. It's always interesting because all the ACs go out in Phoenix in July, then it's the hottest month. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Which I'm sure that, that, that they love doing too, right? The right. AC guys, they're like, oh, you, you couldn't have, this couldn't have gone out in January. I'm like, it probably did. <laughs> wasn't testing it. <laughs> I know. And that supply and demand, they love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, when I talk to clients, obviously their first passion is wanting to treat patients during the day. So how do you get over not having the second job of, you know, dealing with your real estate or, or do you like, how do you, how do you get the vendors or people to to manage the properties? Do you have a property manager? Do you have a property accountant? Do you have all of those things in place or do you do it yourself? I do. I do almost everything myself. We built the practice now to where Terry and I don't carry schedules. We don't treat. So we, we just run the business. And so doing that is, it involves all, all aspects. So, you know, I, I go down and I change air, air filters, you know, when they call me, when something goes wrong, I go, I go do that. And so I kind of play both sides. I'm in the clinic, you know, doing mentorship or, you know, running meetings, but I have great people running every clinic. And so uh, I hate to say that they run themselves, but I have people that run them very well. And so, yeah, so and I, and I just like the challenge of always having something to do, right? Something that's always coming up. Like I said, now we're, we're building and, and growing up into Prescott. We're opening another uh, kid's place up there. and then thinking about where, where we want to go next. I think there's like a saying that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Yeah. So when sometimes it's good to grow within and just get everything else strong, but then it's also nice to go out because we there's so many quality. My wife says there's so many quality people out there that, you know, when she wants to hire, we just have running out of space. So now we need to open <laughs> another clinic so we can staff more. So. Yeah, but that's great. I mean, you started in the clinic and now you know how to to make it successful and you're just multiplying that. I mean, that's, that's an incredible entrepreneurial story where, you know, you can just build a better physical therapy clinics and you know how to do that. Yes. Yeah. But, and we're not, we're not driven really by the bottom line. We're driven by providing service. I always said that when I first started off, I always wanted to give the patient something else, something they couldn't get at home, right? A great experience in physical therapy. And I think that my clinicians and the managers carry that forward. 
And our job now is to give all the employees a place that they want to come to work where they enjoy what they do and they have the freedom to do what they do without being micromanaged and, you know, looking down on them and getting on them about bottom line and all this other stuff. You know, so as long as we're able to operate and we hit certain numbers and we're able to be successful, then we're, we're good to go. So it, it makes it nice that way. How many clinicians do you have in all of your sites? I think with all the part-times, we're probably around 70, I think. Great. Yeah. That's another challenge in itself. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now we move to get to know you part of the interview. So what was your first job? My very first job? Working for my parents. Yeah. I worked for my parents and... Did they pay you or did they make you work for free? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought this is funny. My, my dad's probably going to kill me. When I first started off, I, I really don't remember. I'm sure I got paid. I don't remember. You know, at that time, I'm doing like collating, you know, like putting packets together, ticket books and things like that. And then as probably more in my high school year, I think minimum wage back then in Oregon was like three, three fifty. I got paid five bucks an hour. And so I was making big money. And then I remember when minimum wage went to six and a quarter and I was still at five dollars. And so <laughs> I, I went from, you know, way over to way under. Then eventually we kind of got that corrected. But I still remember that. Well, if you were not in the business of physical therapy, what else do you think you'd be doing for a living? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know. There's so many things you can do. And then now knowing what there is possible by having the time to really look at things and, and think about them and you know how you, how you can take today's capital and roll it into other items and, you know, and all the people I've met that allow me to do these things and be able to communicate. But yeah, I'm not really sure. Looks like you've done more of, of you know, like your the kids place is a nice branch off of what you were doing, you know, and, and that sounds like an incredibly challenging business to to not only get up and running, but then to replicate into several sites and then, you know, provide that care to those children, I think is a fantastic branch off of what you already had established. That is. And, and that's all a testament to Terry. She, she, <laughs> she did all that. You know, I just said, yes, what, what else, what can I do to help get that going? So she, she pretty much, like I said, she runs that 100%. So together we run everything, but what happens in kids place, Terry, Terry is the, is the queen. You're very careful not to take any credit for it. <laughs> well, it's, I, you know, I didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> I didn't do a whole lot there. She she understands it. She's wanted to do, she's on pediatrics. You know, she knew she wanted to be a pediatric therapist, I think, since she was like 13. Oh, my god, Or, gosh, or even younger. Crazy. So she was focused and knew what she wanted. And so she had seen a lot of things and knew what, what was good and what was not. And yeah. So. so who or what are you listening and reading right now for news information? or inspiration? Oh, man, I have a lot of stuff out there. <laughs> That's a tough question. I, I need to prepare better. I believe the book I'm reading right now is, is God Said, The Parasitic Mind. I'm reading that and then listening to because I'm at home a lot. And, I, and, and when I work at home, I don't really have anything on. So I don't, you know, I'll listen to a few podcasts here and there, Forge and Fury podcast out here, Doobie, things like that. I try to read several books going on. At different times. I don't watch TV very much. I have the, the US Open on right now. So I like to watch some sports, but otherwise I have my mind's as I think always running to some degree. So, you know, watching TV shows, just I get bored at the 20, 22 minute mark. So I watch a lot of YouTube short clips and I can't even get through those. 
Yeah. I got I got the point. Moving on. Let's, yeah. let's just find something else. So yeah, great. What is one thing that you do for yourself every day for healthy self-care? I do a lot of CrossFit. So I we have a, a gym in the garage now. And so every day we're in the garage and it's really hot right now. So put in some more fans, but it's definitely doing doing exercise, staying trying to stay healthy, trying to heat, eat well, things like that. The basics. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, then I have two final questions for you because you do both, but you started as a clinician. So do you think a person is born with the desire to heal or is this learned only through their training? I would say that the body automatically wants to heal, you know, physical therapy in general. I think we try to speed that up. So, you know, what what you can tissues and bone are going to heal at the rate at which they do. But, you know, we try to try to limit the, the restrictions or, you know, improve the strength, the stability things like that to, to make that quicker. But the body, the body is an amazing machine. It's going to find a way to win. And we just try to do it. So it's less painful or less tight. Since you now lead all these people in in these clinics, do you think a person is born or trained as a leader? Oh, that's tough. I think it's a little of both because I had to learn a lot, but at the same time, a lot of it came kind of natural. When I took my first job as as a you know, client director, I remember one of the more experienced speech therapists telling me that I was too nice and that I was going to get run over and, you know, it was never going to work. And I disagreed. I always, you know, I wanted to be there and understand and, you know, I'm not going to be forceful and, and pushy. But then there are times when you have to, where the buck stops. We had partners when we first started, so it made life easier, right? When somebody requests something or do something, you know, we, I can say, you know, well, I can take it to the board, right? And the board would, you know, whether I decided that or somebody else, you know, I can say, well, the board decided this, you know, now it's, it's just us. So when, yeah. you know, if there's a no, it's, I said it. And so I have to be able to stand by it and, or, you know, yes. And why? So I think, I think it's both. You think you have to have a, a proclivity to do it. And then, you know, it's, it's always good to keep learning, keep reading, you know, like I said, it, I had this nice bookshelf built here that I look at every day and it's full and I try to get through all those books and I do a lot of other books just trying to figure out what are the best ways to do things. And then, you know, when I find good books, I try to give them to our managers, try to read these and and continue to grow and prosper. And if they ever did leave to go do their own thing, hopefully it's another state and I could help them out, but hopefully that they would be able to take the things that they learned here and and use those. Yeah. But it, it I mean, I think you're always learning. I mean, it's like, I keep saying it's like parenthood and, and marriage. You're always working at them because they're, they're always a work in progress. Yes. Better. Especially the parenting thing. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's incredibly rewarding, but always, I feel like I'm always on my toes. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah. So that's good. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for this interview. I very much appreciate your time. It was a great conversation. You bet. And it was fun as here as well. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.